I guess we're we're trying to sh- uh, let it, people understand that you don't have to be in the spiritual anything to do this. You know, it just makes your material situation so much better. You know, and uh, that's what. All these other things are about anyway, just improve my material situation. Maybe I feel less fear or less anxiety. And I don't really, it doesn't happen all at once, but it's all of a sudden I just notice, wow, I'm not as in much anxiety as I used to be. Or the things that used to cause me so much stress, they don't have that same effect now. What is meditation? How can I practice it? And why is it important in my life? Welcome to the Breaking Trail podcast with me, Ruben, and my friend and teacher, Balakia. This is where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. And uh, today's talk is about meditation. So happy to have you here and let's start. Like we talk about the problems that are facing everybody in the world today and we always say meditation is the solution, but <laughs> we never do it. We never do it. People don't know exactly what we're referring to or how to implement our suggestions and so on. So, so yeah, that's a good idea that we actually do a hands-on class on meditation. We basically employ three techniques that we will today try to present to everybody in a very simple way. So, yeah, you know how to do what we suggest if you so decide. So let's, let's do that. And uh, meditation, as many people think, is just, well, there's a lot of different ideas, isn't there? One is just thinking of nothing. I'm sitting and trying to have no thoughts. That's one idea of what meditation is, called often silent meditation, where you just try to be silent, not only externally, but internally, which is nothing but a big frustration because it never happens. (laughs) You're struggling with your mind. (laughs) I was deep into this process of silent meditation for a long time, you know. And... uh, But the mind, by nature, is always thinking. You know, thinking, feeling, and willing is always going on. So it's it's really an artificial attempt to stop that which is naturally going to happen. And uh, even if you manage somehow to stop thoughts for, you know, a brief period of time, then the mind will always put out the idea but I'm not thinking anything. And then you're thinking, that's a thought. You're thinking about not thinking. Oh, I'm not thinking. Well, that's already a thought. And so you're back to square one, you know. So anyway, that's some, some idea that people have of, of really perfection in meditation, but we're not advocating that. And another idea is just focusing on something. You know, meditate, and you know, in the meditation world, techniques they often will tell you to, you know, go in a dark room and focus on a candle flame. You know, to 
to develop one-pointed concentration or sit and meditate on a sunrise or a sunset or a bird in a tree or whatever. I mean, in other words, some object that you just try to hone in on and have no other objects that you're looking at. And that's good to develop one-pointed concentration. That That's a good thing, see. And some people try to use visualization as a type of meditation, another mental exercise, where, like if it's cold in Dramsa, you visualize a beautiful, warm beach in Bali. And they go, oh, man. Or if you're burning up in summer, you visualize a beautiful snow-capped mountain, you know, and a cool waterfall, and or summer in Charleston, the green winter. <laughs> so that's another type of what is called meditation, visualization. Visualize something that soothes you, that mellows you out, that attracts you, that makes you feel good or whatever, you see. And all of these techniques... They do produce some results, it's true, you know. And in a stress-filled world like we have now, I mean, they can be a plus. They can definitely, just sitting down and taking the time to do that is unusual nowadays. You know, my, never mind the technique, just <laughs> sitting down, <laughs> you know, without a screen in front of your face or something else going on is, is rare, that they, they often say, just be. In other words, that's kind of connected with the mindfulness thing and, you know, be here now philosophy and all these, you know, things that kind of revolve around the word meditation. But in our Vedic Bhakti Yoga system of meditation, we concentrate or meditate on sound. And that's what mantras are all about. But not just any sound. I mean, I've spent many, many hours, you know, sitting beside waterfalls, eyes closed, you know, lotus position, and just meditating, if you want to call it that, on the sound of the waterfall, not looking at it, you see, just listening to it. And you can hear so many different sounds within the one sound of the waterfall. And it's pretty trippy, it's pretty captivating, you know, and it definitely kind of, again, it's like, here I am immersed in this sound. And as I, I say, with all these different approaches, they have some benefit, they have some material calming effect. So we're not saying you can't do that. We never say you can't do anything. You can do anything you want. So we're not ever telling you, you can't do this and you can't do that. See, we're not, you know, trying to rule anybody. We're just offering suggestions. You can do that, but the, at best, and I mean the very best, it's going to only have a positive material result. And as we've discussed in many presentations, you know, we are not material. We are spiritual. We're that little person, that spiritual personality inside this material body, which is composed of the gross physical body and then the subtle mental body, which is where the mind, 
intelligence and false identity or false ego actually result. That's, that's what comprises this mental body. And so you're really mainly trying to shut down the physical body or use just parts of it, like the eyes to meditate on, you know, the candle or the ears to meditate on the sound of the waterfall, you know, but really the whole mental, the whole endeavor, I'll say, or activity is mental more than physical. But it's still material, you know, it's just readjusting the material situations, physical, mental, or combining the two to achieve a harmonious, peaceful, quiet, tranquil state of being. It's pretty far out <laughs> if you do it for some length of time with nobody around. This is another point if you're going to do these kinds of things. You know, you need to be alone. As soon as there's another person there, that's already a distraction. That person's presence, even though they're sitting there doing nothing, maybe the same as you, is still a distraction. You know, you're just not alone in this situation. And you, you're aware of that, you know. So it, these things will be enhanced by being alone. And if possible, a place where you're not expecting somebody to walk up any moment. That's the problem with waterfalls in most places because they're places where everybody wants to go. Oh, let's hike to the waterfall. You know, so you get there early, but any moment somebody are going to appear and you're kind of waiting for that. So that's another distraction. But when I was doing this, I was on Kauai in Hawaii and I could go to remote waterfalls that there was no trail to. There was you know, no, very little chance that anybody else would come, you know. So that was a plus in and of itself. But anyway, <clears throat> the idea is this is all dealing with the material situation, the material body, the material mind. But in our bhakti yoga meditation, we're always trying to take everything to the spiritual level to the personal level of I'm spirit soul. What's going to be good for me, the spirit soul, you see? And the goal is also not to just be peaceful in some idyllic situation, but to actually become purified, spiritually speaking, of contamination that's been built up for lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. <clears throat> like excuse me, unwanted desires of the heart. I mean, yeah, they're, they're of a material nature, but still it's coming from so deep within that it's very hard to separate it, you know. Separate it from yourself, from the spirit soul. You know, it's not a spiritual desire. It's not really coming from the soul, but it's so deeply ingrained or so closely connected with our very being that it appears like it's us, you know. I mean, many things do, but this is even on a deeper level. So we, we, we're in the spiritual progress, uh, trying to become free of different contaminations, you know, that are covering the purity of the soul. The soul is pure, always. It never becomes contaminated. 
but it becomes covered by different layers of contaminations, karmic layers, unwanted desire layer, layers, and all the many, many contaminants, influences of the modes of material nature, etc. So the idea is to try to remove those contaminations. And some people describe it like an onion. You know, the onion has many, many layers. And you just keep peeling off another layer and there's one more and another one and another. And each one is more subtle than the previous one until you come to the essence and that is the pure soul. Like a diamond is always pure. Diamond doesn't become impure because it's covered by layer after layer of dirt and mud and grease and whatever else it may be covered by, you know. But it, it becomes so covered that you don't even know there's a diamond there. It's just mud or it's, maybe it's embedded somehow in a rock or whatever and, and there's no knowledge or, or understanding there's a diamond there. But it is. And it's pure. And so if you can remove all those coverings, there's the pure diamond. It was always there. But it had, you know, lost its ability to radiate its luster. You know, there was no appreciation for it because you didn't even know it existed. You know, and on and on. I mean, that's the example that is not so difficult to understand. So the soul is like that diamond, you see. We're a diamond in the rough. You know, a friend of mine made a song one time, and that was the title, Diamond in the Rough. You know, and we're there, but we're <laughs> really in the rough. <laughs> I mean, the idea is, you know, we're, we're rough. We're not polished. We're not smooth. We're not radiant. We're not pure. Purely, We are pure, but we're not purely reflecting that quality of the diamond, so to speak. You know, so we don't have that attractiveness and that purity that visible. It's, it's there, but it's not perceivable. So anyway, the idea is to remove those layers, those coverings. And so therefore, all these techniques of meditation that we were briefly describing, they don't touch that. You know, they cannot. It's like polishing the mud. You know, it's like make the mud look good, you know, but it's it's attractive somehow, you know. Uh, it doesn't feel so rough, and and when you put your hand on it, it's now smooth, and it's it's not all jagged, and you know that's what they do when they polish a diamond. See, a diamond in the rough. Another idea of the diamond. <laughs> is a diamond, is, it's got all kind of sharp edges and so on. So when they, you know, make that diamond smooth, you know, with all the, the ways that they do it, then it, it loses all the imperfections that are, they're not really imperfections in one sense, but they are because it's, it's not smooth, you know. So when you feel, you know, a smooth diamond, it's, it's different. So anyway, what... What it all goes back to is we need to purify ourself, the spirit soul, of all the contaminations of whatever they are and how you know thick the layers are, and you know we're going to get into a long subject. Here, but 
It's the false ego. It's the false ego. That's the first covering of the soul. You know, so, the ego, you know, I just heard a presentation, a podcast, and one of the, the hosts of the podcast was talking about ego. You know, he said, I follow things back and, you know, a person made a wrong decision or they were, they were motivated by some ambitious thing. And it, it all led back to ego, see, meaning, but ego is our very identity. Everything leads back to ego concerning the self because we are the self. Ego means I, I am ego. But he was speaking about problems that arose from ego, but what it really was coming from was false ego. Oh, I'm better than you are. I'm, you know, number one, I'm the leader. Don't try to tell me what to do. You know, I'm in charge here. Who are you to even make a suggestion that's against what I'm telling you and so on and so on. See, false pride, false ego, self-aggrandizement etc. So that's where it all starts. Starts with this false conception of who I am. And so I'm number one is a false conception. I'm not number one. The Supreme Lord is number one. But the false ego, I'm number one. I'm the enjoyer. I'm the master. I'm the controller. See, I'm the creator. On and on it goes, you know. And therefore, from that false identity, because really, let's look at what ego is. Pure ego is, this is the pure diamond, I am not number one. I'm subordinate to number one. I'm the servant of number one. The Supreme Lord is number one. I'm not the supreme enjoyer. The Supreme Lord is the supreme enjoyer. See, he's the enjoyer, I'm the enjoyed. My position is to be enjoyed by the supreme enjoyer. And this doesn't mean exploited. Please understand this. You know, like I say, this is a big subject we're getting ready to go into. You know, but uh, maybe we'll have a whole lecture on that kind of concept because it's, like I say, it's, it's many layered. But anyway, so that's where it all starts, false identity. So if I'm in the material world and I am automatically covered by these two material bodies, the mind or mental body and the physical body, that's automatic. As soon as the soul comes in the material world, it takes on these two coverings. So therefore, I will immediately identify myself as being this body. I will identify myself, incorrectly so, as being the enjoyer. Okay, so here I am. I, the body, am the enjoyer of everything I see, all I survey, etc., etc. And so out of this comes a desire to enjoy, which is now lust. I want this, I want that. Lust is about getting, getting rewards, getting pleasures, getting enjoyment. And so that brings about the consciousness of exploitation of other people, of nature, of the resources, you know. And even if God is a part of my, you know, understanding of life at all, 
I, I try to exploit God. God, give me this, give me that. Or I criticize God because something didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Or, you know, he didn't create things right. You know, he should have done it like this because I'm not enjoying the way he did it, but he should do it my way. So anyway, it's lust. And then from lust comes all the anger and the greed and, the, again, the exploitation and the jealousy, and et cetera, et cetera. So all of these are contaminating conditions of mind, consciousness, which translates into activities, verbal accusations, you know, using the body that we've been given and the time, mind, and intelligence to... to pursue our agenda at all cost. You see, it leads to blind vision. You know, it leads to lack of compassion for other people, you know, and on and on the negative results go. It just accumulates and accumulates, you know. And basically that's what we're dealing with in the world today on an ever-increasing level, and I mean increasing very rapidly, you know. I mean, look at the news on any given day, and you can see this magnified again and again and again. So the solution is not, let's talk about this, let's, you know, agree not to do this, let's try to be good people, you know, because this is coming from deep within. This is coming from the false identity. This is me in the false concept. See, so just trying to be another me by talking about it, it that's not really how it works, you know. It may have some seeming improvement on, you know, some issues, but over and all, the problem's still underlying. You know, like a cancer, you got to get all the cancer. You know, you just cut out a little piece of here and there, you know, you still got the root cause there that's going to just spring up again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So, like with a cancer, you've got, to, you've got to rid the body of the whole thing. Or you, you're just, you know, not going to be successful. So, we have to become purified of all these, <laughs> you know, contaminations. That means we have to purify ourselves ultimately of the false ego. And come to understand who we really are. You know, that's pure ego. See, that's the diamond. And it does not happen by itself, you know. And it has to be done by an outside, superior, all-purifying force. Just like, you know, the disease, a serious disease, is, is cured by a medicine, you know. And it takes an expert physician who recognizes what the disease is. He has the knowledge of how to cure this disease. He knows what medicine is necessary. He knows what prescription or how to prescribe the medicine, take it in this way and this way, you know, according. And then if all of that is correct, you can be cured of the disease. So it's the same thing. Our disease is materialism, false consciousness, false identity, you know. So we need the medicine. We need the, the doctor. You see, we need the, 
the gumption, they say, the determination, the, the decision to follow the doctor, to take the medicine as prescribed. And that takes sincerity, that takes determination. And if all of that formula is properly applied, then we become cured. And now we're whole again. Now we're healthy again. And, and that's what we're trying to be, really. We just don't know that. We don't even recognize the disease. You know, if everybody's got the same disease, it's not a disease. It's normal. <laughs> we feel and experience that the world is going into a direction that's not perhaps so desirable. And we may feel in our own lives like the feeling that there must be something more, there must be something else out there, you know, that like <laughs> the way that everything's presented to you, that's not it. There's something more. Well, as few people think like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being one of those. <laughs> We hope that someone who thinks like that is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But most people think, you know, there is more, but more means let's just fix it my way. You know, okay, there's a, you know, so again, who's really ready to just go to a real authority, the supreme authority, and and really just say, okay, I tried my way. <laughs> for a long time and it hasn't worked so can you take over you know i'm here i'm ready you know it doesn't cost much up. yeah <laughs> it doesn't cost anything but your life <laughs> <laughs> we're we're always getting in so <laughs> i thought this is going to be a lightweight presentation no what it, what it cost is is it's your misery. It costs you your misery. It costs you your your agitations, your 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 negative life. That's what it costs you. When I say it costs you your life, that's what I mean. It costs you your present situation. What does it cost to cure cancer? It costs you your cancerous life. You see. You give you have to give up that. And you you know, if you don't want to give that up. That is a big problem. Yeah, but I'm, I i don't want to give it up. I like this cancer. It's pretty cool, you know. And I get a lot of sympathy because of it. And, you know, not many cancer patients think like that, really. This is not, kind of an absurd example. I never met anybody that had cancer that didn't want to get rid of it. And I've known a lot of people, you know. But the concept is, is kind of the same. So anyway... What, what it all goes back to is the meditations that we recommend, that we practice ourselves, is able to do that purification. It's able to remove the contamination, see? It has that power, that potency, you know, like a strong medicine. What makes the medicine work? The potency. You take a placebo, it looks exactly the same, and maybe it's only missing one ingredient, but that one ingredient is what makes it work. So these, these medica meditations actually have that potency. It's invisible, you can't prove it, 
but it works. And so this is transcendental sound. These are mantras. And mantras are not just a series of words that we repeat again and again, you see. I mean, some people think a mantra is just saying the same thing again and again and again, you know. Yeah, like I was, I gave a lecture on this yesterday for, for Poland, and I was, I remember I was reading an article about a, a mountaineer who was doing a big ascent of a mountain. And, you know, he was just locked in to getting to the top. And he said, my mantra was left, right, left, right, left, right. You know, just don't worry about the top. Don't worry about, you know, how you feel. Just left, right, left, right. See? And he thought, that's my mantra. But that's not a mantra. That's a repetition. And you can call it a mantra if you want. I mean, if that's how you want to describe it. But what we talk about is mantras, transcendental sound spiritual sound that comes from the spiritual world. And because it comes from the spiritual world, it brings with it spiritual power. The power is invisible, as I say, and it's, it's not something that can be measured. It's not material. Everything we have to, to measure things and, and quantify things in this world is material, see? Transcendental sound is not in that category, see. But we accept the truth of the power of the sound because we accept this Vedic authority, see, the spiritual master, the spiritual Vedic scriptures, etc. We accept them as a th authority that we can't prove, you know, but but we know. And when I say no, it's an internal knowing that this is true. Well, that comes after some time, too, that, that internal knowing. You know, it's not like, first there may be real big doubts and questions and so on, but if you gain more knowledge and more experience, and, and, and just in little ways and sometimes, you know, more obvious ways, you say, yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, it's true. You know, until ultimately you you have no more doubts and you have no more questions, and you're you're you've got absolute firm faith in that. See, but whether you've got faith or not, it's not relevant to the idea that the mantras still have the potency and the work and they work. Like you take the medicine, maybe you've got full faith in the doctor and the medicine. Maybe you've got no faith in the doctor and the medicine, but that doesn't make the medicine work or not work because the potency is in the medicine itself. So it's like that with transcendental sound. See? So go ahead. It's hard to, I mean, it, it, it requires that individual choice to, to start that journey, to try it. I mean, yeah, you got to try it, you know, and uh, there's nothing to lose. And it's, it is soothing. I mean, let's just say we're not even concerned with the trend with the uh, spiritual purification part, it's soothing physically, it's soothing mentally, you know. So just like the waterfall or whatever, you know, just chanting these mantras has a huge soothing effect, a calming effect, a harmonizing effect on the body and the mind. Many people that chant these mantras do it because of that result. They've experienced that. 
and they get up every day and they do it, you know, just because it makes their day a lot better. You know, it makes their family life a lot better. <laughs> you know, it, it, makes, it makes their relationships at work a lot better. You know, and, you know, all along it's having its spiritual effect as well, you see. But because they are now just in a different headspace, you know. Like, yeah. Oh. I, I, I lost you for some 10 seconds. How about, you got me? Am I back now? Yeah. So they're doing it just because of the, the physical and mental benefits that they're they're so aware of, you know. You just you said like the, in in the work. I just wanted to because I just remember there was a retreat that I went to, and this, this guy that was on the meditation retreat that we arranged. He said like for for himself, he didn't notice any huge effects, but he had noticed on his workplace that they had started like saying that suddenly he was more outgoing because he was really really introvert person. He he was really shy, and he started being more extrovert they could relate to him more he was more more harmonious more like he so he you know he noticed the effect in the other people around him more <laughs> than himself and that that yeah that's sometimes the case other people notice it in you more than you notice it in yourself you know so so i guess we're we're trying to sh uh, let it, people understand you don't have to be in the spiritual anything to do this. You know, it just makes your material situation so much better. You know, and uh, that's what all these other things are about anyway, just improve my material situation. Maybe I feel less fear or less anxiety. And I don't really, it doesn't happen all at once, but it's all of a sudden I just notice Wow, I'm not as in much anxiety as I used to be. Or the things that used to cause me so much stress, they don't have that same effect now. You know, or, you know, the fears that just were for no reason sometimes. I don't have that, or I don't have it to the same degree. Or, in other words, there's many, many different ways it reveals the benefits of its use. But 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 that's like as many, you know. People may say, I mean, that's such a nice thing to know for people or for everyone because it it means that you don't have to accept anything. You don't have to like. You can take it in your own pace, and you can take it to the extent that you want. That's I guess the point that I wanted to make. Like, you don't need to just take it to the highest level if you just want to chant the mantras too. Or just if you want to chant the mantras to to let go of the stress, like you're saying. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I remember one time in Krakow, Poland, this woman came and, you know, she wanted a personal conversation with me, and she was explaining how she would wake, be woken up. She didn't say I woke up. I would be woken up in the middle of the night by some person she had had some relationship with. Uh, I think he was a, a boss or something, and they had a very, uh, let's say, undesirable parting of ways. And this person would haunt her at night. He would wake her up in the night and torment her mentally. And she knew who it was, and she, she knew what was going on, and she couldn't go back to sleep. And so 
I mean, it was it, it was taking its toll on her physically, and she was all disturbed in in mental ways and so on. And so I just, you know, taught her Garunga breathing meditation. And I saw her the next time I was there, which was, I don't know, months later. And she came up and she told me, you know, this really works. You know, that I did what you said to do. I said, when you wake up, just do this Garunga breathing meditation. And she said, now I do this, I can just go right back to sleep. So she was just, you know, one who experienced it from that angle. That's all, you know. But it made her world a lot better. So, yeah, that's that's the idea. But the mantras, you know, just for those who might be interested in that part, do have the spiritual ability to purify the heart, you know, remove all those layers and layers of dust or dirt that's accumulated for years together, you know. And so gradually as all this takes place, and it's taking place whether we're, you know, doing it for this reason or that reason or have any knowledge of this or not, it's still occurring, this spiritual benefit. And, uh, yeah, gradually, you know, and that's an individual thing too. Gradually, it's different for different people. We become maybe just you know more interested in this topic, or we have some deeper questions than than we normally would, or whatever. You know, we're kind of moving in another direction. You know, and so. You can't go wrong. This uh, this is the point. You can't have any negative effect. Many times in, in these presentations, people will ask, well, what is the danger here? Is there any danger in doing this meditation? Absolutely not. No danger at all. Is it any way it can harm me? And so, no, it cannot. You know. Oh, but I've heard meditation can you know, turn you into a zombie and, you know, make you go crazy or, you know, whatever. Maybe some things that people call meditation can have that effect. But what we're presenting, absolutely not, you know. And that's the thing. People say, this meditation, you know, and they had this result. It's not what we're talking about, you know. There's many things that can harm you you know, that are under the name of something else. But uh, our meditations are absolutely safe. And one confirmation of that, which would be the confirmation above all other ones, is the Supreme Lord himself recommended that everybody do this. The one who knows us, we are his children. He has unconditional love for us beyond anything we can imagine, recommends to us that we do it. He would, he is the last personality of all personalities to suggest anything that would harm us. And he suggests we do it. So that is the ultimate answer. No, it cannot harm you. <laughs> it will only benefit you. See? So... 
that's kind of the lead into this whole thing. And uh, we can start with some practices and uh, let people just learn the techniques. Some of you probably already know them if you've been watching our programs, you know, but if, if you know, sometimes we can pick up even more detail as we go along. And uh, I'll add a little more detail, for instance, to the Garunga breathing meditation. It's just, you know, some little fine things that aren't going to affect the potency of the mantra, whether you do them or don't do them. But it just kind of fine-tunes, you know, the physical part, the breathing part, and etc. So the mantra will be Goranga. Goranga means he whose body is more beautiful than molten gold, actually describing the form of the Supreme Lord. The names of the Lord are not different than the Lord himself because this is on the absolute platform. See, it's not like that in the material world. The name and the object are different. But in the spiritual world, the name of the object and the object are non-different. They are the same. See, again, back to the idea that's always proven to be true, this material world is the opposite of the spiritual world. So there the name and the object are the same. Here the name and the object are different, the opposite. See? <laughs> so you can kind of relate that to anything that, that we might know in the material world. The opposite of this is in the spiritual world, you know, just like love and lust. You know, love in this world is actually lust, and the opposite of lust is love, and that's the prevailing mood in the spiritual world. Anyway, we don't want to go there. That's another story. So the name and the, the object is the same, so Goranga is no different than the Lord himself. That's where the potency lies. So it's a deep breathing process. Breathing is very important. Like you're a Hatha Yoga teacher, and you teach pranayama. Pranayama is yoga breathing, regulated breathing, you know, and it has a wonderful effect on the physical body, but even more so on calming the mind, you know. So <clears throat> we're going to do, you know, one version of pranayama, and it's declared in Scripture this is the highest level of pranayama. So we breathe in through the nose slowly and gently, but also very deeply. You want to take the air all the way down to the lower abdomen and then fill the body with air from the bottom up, just like when you fill a glass of water. It fills from the bottom up, see? So you take the air down and then just let it fill the whole bodily cavity, okay? And while you do that, inhaling slowly and gently and deeply, you chant in the mind, Go-ra-anga, very softly and very gently. And I stress softly and gently in the mind because, as we know, you can do many things in the mind. You can scream in the mind. You can be so angry in the mind. You know, no, softly and gently, go ra anga, mentally in the mind. It's like a mental whisper. 
Remember, all the while we're inhaling, so the body fills with air, and then we begin to exhale. And out loud we chant. Go And then we repeat again, inhale, slowly, gently, and deeply. Garanga in the mind, exhale, Garanga out loud. Adjust the length of the inhalation and the exhalation according to your lung capacity. Everybody's different. Some people have huge lung capacities and they can they can, you know, exhale and chant Goranga for minutes. And some, like myself, have a small lung capacity and you know, it's much shorter. So this is not something to struggle with. You know, it's not a not some achievement to be able to do it for a long time. You know, gradually that time may increase. We want it to be comfortable. See, deep breathing has many, many benefits for the physical body. You know, sometimes we never breathe deep. You know, I hear people oftentimes when I teach this in large groups of people, people coughing because they never inhale deeply. And when they do, they have to cough. <laughs> you see. But over time, that will go away. When we inhale deeply, it expands the abdominal cavity. This is where all the major organs of the body are located. They need room to move. See, but when we're breathing shallow, oftentimes we're hunched over, crunched up, in stress like this, they're cramped. They don't have that room to move. When you inhale deeply, expand that that cavity, then they've got that room, you know. It's like a relief. And also, each time you breathe in that way, they get a gentle massage. So you get another benefit there. More oxygen goes into the blood. More oxygen, therefore, goes to the brain. Therefore, you think more clearly, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I've known people who have had big improvements in asthma simply from deep breathing, you know, and on and on it goes, many physical benefits. And then by doing this, the mind becomes more calm and peaceful. You know, they say when you're in big stress or you're feeling anger or something, just take a big breath. Just stop and take a big breath. See, well, this is doing that on a regular basis, you know. Gets rid of all kinds of unwanted things. Okay, so that's that's the technique. Before we begin the Gunga breathing meditation, we want to relax. Certain areas in the body accumulate a lot of tension. One key area is our face. And in the face, there's key areas like the forehead, around the eyes, also creates a lot of tension. Even our jaws, see? They, we, we walk around, we're in so much stress, we, we grind our teeth, you know? Actually, they say we should be so relaxed in the face, in the jaws, that our teeth never touch each other except when we chew. But we grit our teeth. So we want to relax all those areas of the face consciously, see? Also the neck. We carry a lot of tension in the neck. 
See, we even get tension headaches that come from the neck. See, So we want to relax the neck. And also the shoulders, the chest. See, there's even a saying, you know, hey, don't be so uptight. But that guy's really uptight, you know. That means he's like this, you know. See, don't be uptight. He's not an uptight. He's just like, <laughs> like a wound up guitar string that's too tight, you know. So relax. Let the shoulders go down. See, we hold uptight, relaxed. Uptight, relaxed. So to do that, we take in a big breath and let it back out through the nose. And just let all those areas relax. Let your face down, so to speak, you know. We keep our face held up with tension. Let it down. Let everything just basically melt. Mm -hmm. Let your tension, anxiety, frustration, fears, traumas, whatever may be in the mind, just go out with that breath. Just breathe them out. So the mind is relaxed also. That's important. See, relaxing the body is easier. Relaxing the mind is not. Let the mind relax too. Breathe it out. Okay, so that sets the stage. You should sit comfortably so you're not under any, you know, discomfort. You know, if you like to sit with your legs crossed, which is my preferred uh, position, you know, that's good. Sit in a chair, sit on a sofa. I don't recommend laying down because it's, it's hard to breathe properly when you're laying down. See, all pranayama exercises, they say sit straight, you know. So there's an open passageway here. And also when you lay down, you know, you're prone to go to sleep. Yeah. So You don't do Garanga breathing to, to fall asleep in the evening. Yeah. Which... Of course, if you're doing it to go to sleep in bed, that's another story. Yeah. So that you can do. All right. So those are the ideas, you know. Once you've learned the mantra, and of course, you know, it doesn't take, you've probably already learned it. Close your eyes, because this helps us to relax more deeply and also prevents distraction. Also, join the thumb and first finger in this way. If you notice, you'll see pictures of people meditating, and they're always sitting like this, you know. And the reason is, it's not just because it looks cool, which it does. <laughs> you look like a real meditator. You know what you're doing. That guy's he knows something. But so, when you join the thumb and first finger, it triggers a relaxation response in the body. And it also assists in the circulation of energy. See, energy is always circulating in the body. This connects a circulative circuit, circulating circuit. So those are some things to know. And then when we finish the meditation, just sit quietly for a few moments, eyes remaining closed, and feel the effect. Just feel some peace, tranquility that, that just came about from doing the meditation. 
Also, one more point. If somehow you become uncomfortable during the meditation, readjust your sitting position. If your nose is itching, scratch it. You see, whatever you need to do, because we don't want you meditating on the discomfort. Meditate on the sound. So while we do it, we want to listen closely to the sound and put the mind on the sound. See, meditate on the sound. Listening to the sound Focusing on the sound. Okay? So we're just going to do it short, you know, five minutes or so, just so you can learn the technique. You won't get, you know, amazing results probably. Don't expect that. You're learning the technique now, and then on your own you can do it 10, 15, 20, 30, one hour, whatever. See, you decide. All right? So just follow my guidance. Everybody take a big breath, let it out, and relax. Now very slowly, gently, and deeply inhale and chant Goranga in the mind. Go. Go. Oh. 
times. Okay, so that is Goranga breathing meditation. So you can see, very easy. See, it's very spiritually purifying, very beneficial, extremely relaxing. See, so you can add it to your life. You know, we always suggest 
When you wake up in the morning, 5, 10, 15 minutes or more, you can do the meditation. See? And in the evening before you go to bed, you can do the meditation. Of course, you can do it any time, you know. Take a walk in nature, you know, sit down, nice quiet place, do Garanga meditation by the waterfall. See? I just didn't know that technique by the waterfall. <laughs> I, I hadn't learned that yet. You, know? you can listen to the waterfall for a while and then do Garanga breathing. Yeah, too. I've done that since then. Because oh, it helps you focus, yeah. yeah? It helps you to like calm down even before. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I walk every morning, and not where I'm walking now, but there was a place in Scotland where I always walked by a stream, small stream, but it had a nice little riffle there, and the sound was nice, running water. And I used to stop and just listen to that for a little while, during doing my next meditation, we're going to learn Japa meditation. See, and, and it was nice just listening to that sound of nature and, you know, understanding, you know, this whole natural world that we live in is, you know, the Lord's creation. And yeah, it was just another aspect of the whole thing, you know, very nice. How, how, how important is that aspect to be fully present in the meditation that you're doing? Like, is for those who are listening, is it a process of you say the mantras and that will be naturally taken care of? Or, or how much effort do you put into like trying to really like focus? Well, some effort is required. You know, it, it takes some endeavor. We don't want to struggle with it. We don't want to really get in a fight with the mind running away. Just when you, you know, perceive that all oh, the mind has gone somewhere, gently bring it back to the sound. It runs away again. Bring it back to the sound. I use the example of a mother with a two-year-old kid. She puts the kid down. Immediately it runs off. She just gently brings it back. It runs away again. She gently brings it back. See? You know, she's patient. She understands this is the nature of the kid. And she just brings the kid back. So it's the nature of the mind to run all around, go here, go there. Just gently bring it back. You know? Don't get frustrated. Oh, I can't do this. This is too hard. No, that's self-defeating, see? You know, gently. And remember, you know, the, the mantras are still potent and they're still working. Oh, so, yeah. It, but it, of course it takes some effort, you know. But like I say, gentle effort, you know. Patience, not frustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have it in your arsenal now, something you can actually do. And you don't have to do it just in early mornings and before bed or in nice places in nature. You can do it anywhere. You know, I remember I was talking to a girl one time. I think it was in, I don't know where, Canada or somewhere. And she had learned it. And again, I saw her later. And she was a student in university. And she said before she had some big exam. It was quite stressful. And before she went into the exam, out in the hallway, she just did Garanga meditation for a, a couple of minutes. I don't know how long. And then went in and she did, you know, much better on the test. She, she wasn't stressed. She just sat there, calmly took the test. And she said she knows she got a better score 
than she would have otherwise. You know, so it, it many many applications. You know, and uh, yeah, the benefit is always there on all three levels: physical, mental, and spiritual. And gradually, as we you know move more in this direction, we take more steps, so to speak. You know, we're thinking, you know, not only about the physical and mental, but the spiritual benefit as well. We're we're looking at that, you know, with with great, you know, appreciation. Wow, this is wonderful. You know. Okay, our time is flying as always. You know, <laughs> we thought we'd have more than enough time. We're probably going to come up a bit short, but anyway. Uh the next meditation technique I'd like to show you is called Japa Yoga Meditation. And Japa Yoga Meditation uses beads. And as you know, many spiritual practitioners in the world use beads. The Catholics use beads, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Orthodox, you know, etc., and the reason beads are so common throughout is they help us control our senses. Our senses are active by nature. And the activity of the senses draws our consciousness externally. Our eyes see an object. Our consciousness goes to the object. Our nose smells the fragrance. Our consciousness goes there. Our ears hear a sound. Our consciousness goes there. See, our touch, we experience some sensation. Consciousness goes there. This is hot. This is cold, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they're always taking us externally. And if you're trying to go internally, this is a big problem, see. So <clears throat> one who's practicing this idea of silent meditation, which we talked about in the beginning, you see, his solution is stop the senses. So when he sits down, he closes his eyes, see. He tries to close the ears. Sometimes they haven't put their fingers in their ears, see. Close the nose. I can't do it with headphones on, but put your fingers in the ears, you know, block the nose with these fingers, keep the mouth shut. In other words, trying to just shut the senses down, like a turtle trying to draw all the senses inside. But actually, it's artificial because the senses are active by nature. Whereas in this meditation, we have a different approach. We allow the senses to be active, but we engage them in a spiritual activity. And the beads assist us in doing that. So what we have here are called japa beads. And they have one bead that's different than the rest. It sticks up. It has a tassel on it. This is called the head bead. We do not chant the mantra on the head bead, the maha mantra. This is the mantra for this meditation. And this is a beginning bead, which lets us know where to begin and where to end. So let's talk about which mantra we're going to use. It's called maha mantra. You know, it can be uh, available on the screen. And the maha mantra is known as the greatest mantra. That's what the word maha means. Great mantra means mind deliverer. Mantras actually have the power to deliver the mind from the material realm to the spiritual realm. And of all mantras, the maha mantra is the greatest mantra. 
It's the mantra recommended specifically for this age we live in now called Kali Yuga. So, it's the mantra, and like I say, it will be on your screen. Hare Krishna. Huh? If, if, if they're watching this, if they're not hearing the podcast. Okay, if they're watching. But I'll, I'll repeat the mantra. You know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. This is three words, Hari Krishna and Rama, that's repeated in a certain sequence, certain combination. Okay? And uh, if you're listening to a podcast and you really want to know what the mantra is and you don't have it somehow, contact us and we can arrange it. So you can get it digitally. Or beads for that matter. And of course, you're going to need beads. I was going to speak about that at the end, but yeah, we will speak about it after this. Okay. So we talked about the head bead. We don't chant the Maha Mantra on the head bead. This is an indicator bead. lets us know where to begin and where to end. We hold the beads across the middle finger of the right hand. The head bead should behind, be behind the finger. See, in other words, this is in front and this is behind. If I'm looking, behind means towards your body, in front means away from the body. So the head bead should be on the side of the middle finger towards your body, and the first bead in front of the head bead should be on top of the middle finger. Put your thumb on that first bead. Holding that bead between the thumb and middle finger, we roll the bead back and forth. We fiddle with it. And this is engaging the sense of touch. At the same time we're doing that, we will chant the entire Maha Mantra on this bead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now, that is also engaging the sense of speech, the tongue, and the lips. As before, we're listening to the sound, engaging the ears. We're putting the mind on the sound, engaging the mind. And if we are reading the mantra, we may have it written down somewhere. This is engaging the eyes. So we've got four or five senses engaged in this spiritual activity. When we finish the entire Maha Mantra on the first bead, we pull the beads again slightly toward the body, put our thumb on the second mantra, oh, second mantra, second bead, and chant the Maha Mantra. Next, the third bead, the fourth bead, etc. Gradually, we're going to chant on all the beads, one after the other, entire mantra, and we will eventually arrive at the head bead on the opposite side. Now the head bead is in front of the middle finger, see? That is called one round because we've been around the beads one time. When we finish the round, we chant the mantra Hari Bol. And the mantra Hari Bol actually means chant the holy names. Hari is one of the Lord's names, and Hari Bol means chant the holy names. Okay. If we want to continue to chant, in other words, do a second round, 
Remember, we do not chant the Maha Mantra on the head bead. We also do not jump over top of the head bead. What we do is take that last bead we're holding and move it to the front by turning the beads around. <laughs> turning the beads around. So that last bead now becomes the first bead for round number two. And as before, we put the thumb on the first bead and repeat the whole thing. Maha Mantra on all the beads, coming to the head bead again, Hari Bow, two rounds, turn the beads around, chant on all the beads again, Hari Bow, three rounds, etc. That's the process of Japa Yoga. And <clears throat> you can also do Japa Yoga while you walk. It doesn't only have to be done sitting. And many of us walk a lot. We might walk to school, to work, to shop, to see friends, for exercise, whatever. If you've got your beads with you, you can turn this into a meditation. See, In fact, we always are taking japa walks. These are walks where we're not really going anywhere. We're just walking and chanting on our beads. See? That's why we call them japa walks. Early in the morning, everywhere I go, I always see people out walking their dogs. They're out walking their dogs. I'm out walking my beads. If you, if you got a dog, walk your dog and your beads. But there is one thing we ask. If you do Japa Yoga while you walk, please keep your eyes open. <laughs> okay, so that's Japa Meditation. You can add it to your life. See, very easy to do. It's also recommended if you really decide to do this meditation technique, you set a certain number of rounds you do every day, and every day you try to do that number. See, in the beginning, we try to make it very easy. We say do at least two rounds a day. See, this is, this is uh, easy to do. Once you've learned the technique, it takes about 10 minutes to do two rounds. Everybody's got 10 minutes. <laughs> and then, of course, if that's going well, you can increase the number. You say, okay, I'm going to do three rounds a day, and every day you do three. Maybe later, five, six, ten, whatever. See, And in this way, you know, you're kind of making progress, aren't you? You're adding the presence of transcendental sound to your life more and more each day. See, you're doing your Garanga meditation, and you're doing your Japa meditation. Then you've, you've got some allotted time each day where you're going to be in the presence of transcendental sound and getting that benefit. So it's a science here. You know, this is called the science of bhakti yoga. You know, it's an eternal science. This has been going on since time immemorable. You know. So I like to, like I say, every morning, you know, I take a japa walk. You know, I get the benefit of being up, you know, before the sun rises. I can see the sunrise. I get the best air of any time in the 24 hours. You know, everything is quiet and calm. The day hasn't quite started yet for a lot of people. You see, so you get that benefit as well. 
And, you know, it's declared in Scripture that the meditations done at that period of the day produce more benefit than if you do the same thing at a, another time of the day. That's just the benefit of getting up early. It's called the Brahma-Murta hour or the Ambrosia hour the, before sunrise. So, yeah, you, you can uh, add it to your life as, as you want. You can see fit. Uh, we're just giving you the techniques and some suggestions, you know. Some people like to get up in the morning and do garanga meditation and one round of japa before they do anything else. You know, take a shower and then do the meditation. Some people like to do the same thing before they go to bed. Again, it's so much variables. It's so individual, you know. So you can do that. And like Ruben said, you know, these beads have 54 beads on them. A full round of japa beads have 108 beads plus the head bead. But we, you know, introduce people to 54 beads. It's, you know, a little simpler. It doesn't look so overwhelming, you know, wow, so many beads to do, let me see, and uh, et cetera. So, yeah. Uh, if you want, you can make your own. Just get any kind of beads, you know, from some art shop or maybe you've got some cosmetic beads around the house that aren't being used. You can use those. You know, just put them on a string. I like them with a knot in between each bead to keep the beads from slipping all around. And then a, a different shape. We like to use bigger bead, one big bead for the head bead. You know, so it's obvious which one that is. And this tassel, you can make a little tassel put on top. You know, all of this is pretty easy to do. You know, the tassel, just kind of a cosmetic effect. Choose your color. Color is not, you know, important. Ruben has, you know, black and turquoise. I have just standard wood color, you know, and so on. I've seen some people make them, they look like kids' toys. You know, they look like so so many different colors. It looks like some kid's toy hanging in a baby crib. You know. But anyway, that's the idea. Joppa meditation. Keep them in your pocket. You got a little extra time, take them out of your pocket. You know, it's cold outside in winter, put them inside your glove. Mitten's even better. You got more room inside a mitten. You know, just drop them in the mitten and go along your way. And one last thing, because we chant these transcendental sounds, God's names on these beads, these are special beads. So we don't put them in dirty places. We don't put them on the ground. We don't put them on our feet, you see, et cetera. And so you kind of get the feeling like, yeah, these are special beads and so you kind of take special care, you know, special beads, special care. Some people <clears throat> like to wear them around their neck so they can just put them on. Like I say, some people wear them on their wrist. You know, I saw someone the other day, you know, on, on the Internet, and they had some meditation beads on their wrist. You know, so I knew, aha, this person's doing, you know, the meditation on the beads. So great. Okay, so that's Japa meditation. And the third meditation 
Did you want to just like show like a couple of three times like on the beats actually so that we get it like a practical demonstration of how this would look? Okay, let's do it together. Me and Yeah, I'm not saying we have to do a full one, but we could do No, we can do a few ten beats. Yeah, I'm kind of cutting things short because <laughs> as you know. Okay, so just follow my guidance. Everybody touch the head bead. All right, we're going to chant the mantra Goranga. All right. Goranga. Goranga. All right. Everybody move to the first bead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Second bead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Third bead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare etc. Now, that's one way to do it, and that's the way we usually teach people in the very, very beginning. But later, a person often likes to kind of do it in a little different rhythm, see, instead of like sing-songy, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, it's often done like this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So that's the way, you know, I do it. That's the way the people I know that do it. But in the beginning, if the kind of sing-songy technique is a little easier for you to follow, that's fine too. You know, and yeah, again, it kind of makes it so we commit a little bit. You know, we, we say, okay, every day I'm going to do 10 minutes of Goranga and I'm going to do, you know, three rounds of Japa meditation. It kind of makes us commit a little bit, you know, and, you know, sometimes we have to make a commitment. You know, we got to make a choice. It makes it more special, more important. I've kind of stepped in that direction. Okay, I'm going to do this. Like any athlete has to commit. I'm going to train every morning. I'm going to run 10K. I'm going to, you know, swim 50 laps in the pool. I'm going to do 100 push-ups or whatever it is. You've got to commit to be successful in anything. You know, and that's another thing. When it comes to spiritual commitments, we're often extremely lazy, you know. And as laziness in the material sense doesn't produce good results, laziness in the spiritual sense doesn't produce good results either, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways to look at strength, you know, physical strength and mental strength and, and spiritual strength, you know. So if you're strong in all three departments, that's the best. You know, 
So we don't want to neglect the physical body, we don't want to neglect the mental body, and we don't want to neglect the spiritual self. Mm. And that's like caring for ourselves, taking care of myself. And, you know, nobody's going to do it for you. You know, <laughs> nobody's going to do it for you. Okay, and our third technique is called Sankirtan. This is congregational chanting. Garunga meditation and Japa meditation are normally done privately, whereas Sankirtan is two or more people come together and chant the mantras. You know, with this COVID situation, we are not gathering publicly now in many, many places. Some places are because they have very low rate of infection. So we're doing a lot of things online. We're gathering online, you know, via Zoom, via, you know, Facebook, via a lot of different uh, platforms. Uh, just like Ruben and I are gathering right now, you know, two or more come together, chant the mantra. So the mantra for this, and we call this Sankirtan, see? Sankirtan, congregational chanting. It's normally done with normally done with the accompaniment of a musical instrument. Doesn't have to be. See, you can clap your hands. Maybe you don't play an instrument. That's fine. Clap your hands. Kind of beat a rhythm on the table. You know, maybe no rhythm at all. Just sing. You know, that's fine. No problem. But today I'll uh, use a guitar. Mm -hmm. And it's called Shravanam Kirtanam. Shravanam means to hear. Kirtanam means to chant. So the leader chants, and everyone listens, and then everyone responds, and the leader listens. So it's back and forth like this. Shravanam hearing, Kirtanam chanting. And the mantra, since we've... Well, let's just do Garanga and Haribo, you know. Later on, when we do some kirtans and more people are familiar, we'll use maha mantra as well. Sometimes we do just yoga sound programs where we just chant. That's all we do. You know, and uh, it's it's very very you know beneficial on all the levels we've been describing. And it's fun. You know, it's fun. I just saw a video today where, you know, some people were in France, in Marseille, and it was, of course, you know, I think, what, 6,500 people came out. Of course, it caused a big problem because of the, you know, COVID story, and nobody was wearing masks, and nobody was social distancing, and the police moved in, and so on. But anyway, one scene was this whole group of people walking down this street. You know, in, in Europe, they've got really narrow streets, and so it was a narrow street, and they were all walking down dressed in different gala costumes. I guess it was in celebration of the equinox, you know. And, uh, yeah. But they were, they were playing instruments and drum and some flute and, you know, some other percussions and, and singing. You know, people like to sing. They were walking along singing, you know. It's normal. It's natural for people to sing. So when you sing using the transcendental mantras, then you've got it all in one package, you see. You get the joy of singing, you know, the wonderful music, the transcendental experience, the transcendental effect, everything, you know. 
So it's it's very good. I I had a lady tell me at class the other day. I can tell it out. I can say it afterwards. <laughs> okay, you can say it after. It'll have more effect. <laughs> okay, we're gonna do go around the high bowl. Go. Everybody. Okay, so that's your Sankirtan.
And there's no hard and fast rules. Lord Garunga said, no hard and fast rules. See, any type of music, any tune, any rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. See? So there you go. You've got three techniques of meditation. You've got Garunga breathing meditation, Japa meditation, and Sankirtan meditation. See, that you can practically apply in your life. We need some escape now. We need some place to go. We need some shelter. We need some solution to, to the loneliness, the emptiness, the frustration. Here we go. You got it right now. The, go there. You know, they, there's a, a, a strong suggestion in our Vedic teachings. Take shelter in the holy names. Take shelter in these mantras. And this is not just a phrase. This is like something you can really do, you know. This is not ordinary sound, you know. You can actually take shelter in the holy names. And those who do that, they will be greatly benefited, and they will find that shelter. Because we, the spirit soul, are what, what is looking for shelter, you see. We need that. We need a place to rest. We need a place to rest our hearts. You see, we need a secure place, a, a pr place of protection, you know. And the holy names are all of that and much, much more. Okay. So, yeah, this is not just something cool. This is some, you know, secret of the yogis that they know where to go. They know what to do, you know. And they're always taking shelter there. You know, they're always under the umbrella of the protection of the holy names. Yeah. Okay, Ruben, tell me what the lady said. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Yeah, no, she she just said, basically, at class, I was explaining, I was explaining Kirtan like you did at the start, like 10 minutes ago. And she... She kind of interrupted, but it was nice. And she said, you know, oh, one, one, one thing you can do, like Ruben is talking about, one thing you can do is you can like, I, I, I like to take my favorite song and I just, you know, add mantras on top of it. And I just sing mantras instead of like the sounds that they sing in the song, oh. you know, <laughs> she was, I go. love that. That's great. She said, <laughs> so some yeah. of us like to sing in the shower, you know, that's an, it's a, that's a great thing. You can sing the mantras in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, yeah, that's another point is, you know, the other meditations that we were referring to earlier, they take a special arrangement. You got to find a quiet place. You got to have the time to sit down and do it. You know, you got to be able to control your body for a long period of time. You got to control the mind, et cetera, et cetera, you know. In other words, to get that whole setup in place is rare. I mean, it's, it's not easy to do it. Mantras, you can just, they're with you all the time, you know. Even at work, you can't chant out loud, obviously. You can chant in your mind. Tell me who doesn't have some song running around in their mind all the time, you know. Oh, I like that new song. Oh, I got the old, I'm a Beatles fan, and you're singing some old Beatles tune or, you know, whatever it is, you know, then... uh you can have transcendental sound there and the boss will never know. 
you see? <laughs> and you're in the presence of transcendental sound. So this is silent meditation with mantras, you see? And it's, this is real silent meditation, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a gift, you know, Kali Yuga is not the age for all these other difficult meditations, you know, which don't have that potency anyway. They just don't. Even if you were able to stop the mind, silence is just negation of the negative. All that does is just turn the radio off, so to speak, you know. But there's no positive spiritual benefit there. It's so relaxing. It's so, you know, peaceful. But then after a period of time, you want to do something. Okay, let's do something, you know. Like when you go into nature, you know, you go there and it's quiet and peaceful and maybe you sit for a certain length of time, you know, and that's good enough. But then eventually you go, well, let's do something. You start looking around, or oh, let's, let's go to the top of that mountain, you know, or let's go down to, by the creek and, you know, see what's going on down there. Let's do something, because the soul is active by nature. So the something, <laughs> after the silence, is chanting the mantras and other activities of devotion. Yeah. Okay, I guess our time is up. That is. So we so, have hopefully given a good introduction to everyone out there who can apply this in your life. Yeah, and if something's not clear, you can you can write. You can you know try to get clarification. If you got questions, you know, ask them. You know, because we don't want to be vague about anything. We want to be very clear and very specific. But somehow, that's, sometimes that doesn't get through, you know. So we could have done a better job somehow, maybe, or we said something in a way that didn't, you know, jive with what you were trying to hear or whatever. So just let us know. We're here. Yeah. And we'll be here next week as well. And you are welcome to join us next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every week we'll try to have something for you to to join to listen to to benefit from you know yeah okay Ruben thanks for the nice uh, arrangement and yeah we'll be back have a good evening yeah you too and have a nice hike yeah. tomorrow yeah okay thank you very much we always do kirtans on our hikes you know yeah, I got some videos from the last hike, you know. Yula, oh, you she did? took a video where you were oh, yeah. doing some kirtan as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we carry our hiking frog with us. And, you know, I introduced people to the frog, right? When, I, I, you showed it a month ago. So I... <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the hiking frog. He goes with us and... He's very kirtan. Haribo nitagor nitagor haribo etc. 
Slava saying, come on, man, I got to set up for the next program. <laughs> okay, take it easy, my friend. Namaste. Thank you all for joining. And yeah, let us hear from you. Send in your comments. Share the links. And we'll see you next week. Namaste. So we hope that you learned something new today and that you'd like to practice this meditation in your life for uh, receiving the full benefit of that practice. So if you'd like to have Japa Beats available to you, then please write us so we can try to arrange that. And other than that, then, uh, you know, please share the link with your friends and family. Please subscribe to our channel and give us some review if you liked this. Send us your thoughts and comments. And I'm looking forward to see you soon again. So remember to stay true to yourself and dare to break trail.